The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio. Hello there and welcome to Art of the Pivot. My name is Mark Jeffries, your host, and joining us today is Leela Srinivasan, Chief Marketing Officer for Momentive, formerly SurveyMonkey, the global leader in survey software. In her role as CMO, Leela leads all marketing functions, including brand strategy, growth marketing, product marketing, and communications. Previously, she served as Chief Marketing Officer at Lever, where she was responsible for all aspects of marketing and partnered with the People team on employer branding initiatives. And Leela also serves on the board of Upwork, a global freelancing website. Leela, welcome. Where do we find you today? Thank you so much, Mark. And I'm joining you from Raleigh, North Carolina, where I just moved about three weeks ago. Oh, my goodness. Another person moving around the U.S. Yeah, I know Raleigh very well. Uh, it's a great area. So congrats on that move. So these are certainly um, they're certainly exciting times for you. SurveyMonkey is no longer. And that's pretty big news. Uh, and you're now Momentive. So obviously, can we talk about that? Tell us about the name change decision and, and where does the old name even go? Yeah, so first to clarify, the old name is still very much part of the portfolio, Mark. Uh, but as you mentioned, on June 9th, SurveyMonkey Inc., our parent company, rebranded and relaunched as Momentive. And we've really, um, over the course of the 21 years, been through a lot of transformation, as you can imagine. Uh, today, we describe ourselves as an agile experience management company that empowers decision makers to act with speed and agility. And uh, right. you think about the SurveyMonkey name that was created back in the, the late 90s, part of the dot-com era. And uh, SurveyMonkey really created and defined the survey software category. And as we uh, built on that success over the years, our customer needs really shifted. Our customers were really pulling us up market. And uh, we thought we'd capitalize on that. And uh, over, the, over the time, that led from us being a simple software, per, soft, uh, sorry, a simple survey software purveyor to becoming more of an experience management market research uh, company. So SurveyMonkey remains the name of the product, the core product that uh, yep. so many millions of users uh, around the world know and love, but it was just a great time for us to uh, capitalize on that movement up market and uh, tell different stories. And um, uh, Momentum is really that umbrella brand that we're going to leverage in conversations in the enterprise. I love it. And uh, I'm a huge fan of the power of storytelling. So obviously that makes complete sense. Um, but, you know, a name change is so hard. It's like, you know, trying to name your kid. It's like there's so many choices and every rebrand initiative, of course, has its pros and cons. I'd love to know um, how you and the leadership team work through some of those tough decisions, where the actual word came from. And I'm guessing that people within the organization just raised objections all the time. How do you handle that? Yeah, it was definitely a journey, Mark. So I've been at SurveyMonkey, now Momentum, for over three years. And probably for about two and a half of those years, it was an ongoing leadership conversation. Could the name SurveyMonkey carry us through this next chapter of the journey? And uh, But when we boil it down, the name change uh, came out of the last 14 months or so of extensive brand research. And what, I'm happy to go into how we landed on that specific name, but what I love about it is it really speaks to the momentum and the dynamism of modern business. It's synonymous with speed and agility, which are the things that our own customers tell us. Those are the reasons that they come to Momentum is to help get answers in days rather than months. And so we really love the, the name and the direction. Um, but it, it was a it was a long process to arrive on the name and build out that identity uh, to what you see today. 
did you run an internal survey? I mean, after all, this this is something on which you have a lot of experience. Uh, yes, there was plenty of research that went into the decision, and then also uh, what we, you know, how we uh, move forward with that name. So over the fourteen month period, uh, I believe we ran ten different pieces of research. Uh, four qualitative, six quantitative. This is the the joy, as an aside, of being the CMO, a company that is built on such a such a strong platform where we can leverage our own technology to get to the right answers. And in the course of that uh, research, which spanned our internal uh, leadership team, but also our entire employee base, uh, customers and prospects, uh, we we basically gathered the opinions of about twenty two thousand uh, different individuals to understand. Uh, not only our current, you know, our current uh, previous name rather and where that sat, but also to vet this new name Momentum against uh, some other contenders that were in that mix. And, uh, you know, I, I think research, this is the whole point of what we do. You need these powerful uh, pieces of research, these powerful insights flowing in to help you shape what's next as well. Absolutely right. Okay, P- the perfect place to do it. All right, let, let's talk about marketing. I'm fascinated by um, the business you're in in terms of getting the word out, telling those great stories, winning opinion, drawing people in. Um, your role, of course, is CMO at Momentive. And, and if my information is right, uh, you're the company's first chief marketing officer. So I'd love to know why that didn't exist before. Uh, and then what drove leadership to elevate that marketing function to the exec level? And, um, and how have you approached the role as, as you uh, continue within the organization? Yeah, so before I arrived, there was certainly plenty of great marketing going on within the, the walls of uh, what was then SurveyMonkey, but uh, it took place on multiple teams. So there was no one marketing team. There was a, a, a brand and Marcom's team. Uh, there was a marketing team up in Canada. Product marketing reported into product. Uh, there was a growth team. I'm not even sure where, where they reported, but... Uh, it was a point in the company's history where I think Xander and Tom and the, the team realized that there was a, a need to elevate marketing, the role that marketing would play in this next chapter of, uh, of the company's uh, trajectory. So at the time I joined, uh, I think only about 10% of our business uh, was sold into the enterprise. And I joined in part to help that journey and that transition up market. Uh, and uh, so for the first couple of years uh, there, we did that. We, we, you know, we took that journey on under the the prior name and made some significant progress. Um, but as you know, enterprise marketing takes different muscles and a different sort of team. So part of what I was brought in to do was to really build out the team in readiness for that upmarket journey. And then of course, this rebrand um, at, at the uh, on the heels of that. So it's been a really exciting journey, joining just before the IPO, helping navigate the company through that shift to enterprise. There were some acquisitions in the mix that helped us really build out our enterprise capabilities. And all along, my job as a CMO has been to continue broadening people's understanding of the value yeah. that we add in the world. And some might argue that making the, the doing the rebrand and the relaunch of the company as Momentum is certainly a very extreme way to do that. But uh, yes. the feedback we've heard from customers and employees so far has been really, really positive. So I think it is exactly the shift that we need to make as we go into this next journey. That's great. Um, I'm always fascinated to hear uh, people's perspectives on the challenge of of telling a story, of getting the word out there. None of us really enjoy being marketed at. There's nothing worse than those meaningless emails that, that fill our inboxes, right? And yet your entire um, ask from, from the organization to you and your team is get the word out there, have people understand what we do, what the value and the benefit is. What, what would you say to people is the key 
to marketing success? Because it's not just blasting people with emails, right? <laughs> Absolutely not, Mark. And I think in the last in the last 18 months or so, with everything that we've been through as a as a society, it's been incumbent on the marketer to cut through and really be relevant and uh, provide value basically to the end customer. Mm -hmm. One of the things that was uh, really central to this rebrand and this relaunch was making sure that our customer was at the heart of the message and also was the messenger in many cases. So if you go to our, our new site, which is momentum.ai, and that was a very deliberate choice, you'll oh. see front and center on the homepage, the hero image is uh, this, this wonderful uh, lady, Tamar Beresford, who is over at NASDAQ driving digital transformation with the help of our solutions. And we feel that the more our customers tell the stories of how we are helping them shape what's next, the more that message gets out that uh, we've moved well beyond surveys into a different realm of business value. So I would say putting your customers at the center mm -hmm. and uh, continue to think about how you can deliver value overall to the end uh, end user. I love it. It's it's social proof. It triggers FOMO. People go, well, hold on, if they're doing it, we, we need to check this out, which is great. Um, Let's talk innovation now, because, you know, not only are you innovating in the world of marketing, but uh, obviously the organization itself is continuing to innovate. And I know you're enhancing your market research and customer experience solutions. I'd love, if possible, for you to share a few examples of how innovation is helping your customers get closer to their customers, because in the end, that's that's what we're all trying to do. Absolutely. Uh, one I can give I can give many examples. One that comes to mind um, in the market research realm is when we launched our new brand tracker uh, capability, which is a subscription product that uh, marketers uh, and brand leaders around the world can sign up to continuously monitor how their brand is trending relative to competition. For example, um, as we defined and launched that product, we did so hand in hand with Allbirds. Um, who are one of our uh, favorite customers. I will say I own uh, several pairs of Allbirds shoes. They are definitely the most comfortable footwear I have in my uh, in my wardrobe. But, Look at you, uh, you're a marketeer at every question. Keep going, it's good. <laughs> if you don't have Allbirds, you should. But the point being, you know, this is a real customer in the trenches trying to figure out real-time problems. And uh, this is where our, our, our innovation team, our R&D team came into their own, really partnering closely with that customer to help define, okay, how will this brand tracker work? How should it be um, set up? What are, the, what are the features and functionality that a customer really needs to make sense of how their brand is evolving out there? So I love when we uh, partner with customers so closely to drive the next wave of innovation. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's certainly something that we've enjoyed doing and are gonna, you're gonna see a lot more of that, I think, from us as we go forward. Aside from that, the other thing I would say is uh, when we launched, we made the deliberate decision to use the domain Momentum.ai as uh, as the way we were coming to market. And, you know, baked into that was a desire to make sure the world understood that a company that's been around for a couple of decades had plenty of innovation going on uh, under the hood. And, yeah. you know, one of the one of the things that we really benefit from having over time heard from 7.2 billion respondents on our platform is there's so much information, insight, data that we can leverage in AI and machine learning to build progressively better products for our customers and also for the respondents that they're serving. So uh, yeah, plenty of innovation in short going on at Momentum. Side question on AI. Do you define AI as artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence? Ha, 
it sort of feels like a bit of a trick question in some ways. One of the things that's come to us as we think about how do you uh, leverage this wealth of insights to build progressively better technology and more value uh, for your customer is artificial feels wrong. Mm. Augmented maybe, but we like to think about authentic intelligence, adaptive Ooh. intelligence, agile intelligence, all the ways in which you can leverage that immense, immensely powerful data to shape what's next. So we are having some fun playing around with the acronym AI and redefining it in our own terms. The A is interchangeable. I love it. That's 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 new. You give me some new material there. I'm going to take some of that. Um, <laughs> by the way, I have to talk that's to you great. about surveys. You know, every time a client of yours sends a survey out to their customers, um, you're asking for the customer's time. You're asking for the customer to sit down, take a moment, apply some thought, go through a small process. Often it's really short, sometimes longer. But in return for what? What what drives a customer to go, okay, I will fill out this survey. I will take time out of my day to give away some data in return for seemingly nothing other than, you know, a feel-good moment. Well, it turns out that humans have this age-long, age-old desire to be heard and to feel like they matter. And as we've progressively, uh, you know, talked to uh, the populace about their needs, their desires and so forth, what we've heard in, in feedback is that over 80% of people are actually likely to give feedback after a product or a service or an experience. So I think it speaks to the fact that humans want to be heard. Uh, we live in this incredibly transparent world where anything that can be known will be known. And so whether they are delighted or disgusted that information is going to surface. So, yeah, I think we've seen this trend toward what, what we called the feedback economy a few years back, where feedback is pervasive. You've got to be listening to it. You've got to be taking action on it. And uh, we see no signs of that changing. And on the subject of the feedback economy, because that was actually going to be my next question. It's great. Um, you know, we've seen, interestingly, this is really a side, I guess, a side story, but I think it still feeds into the accuracy and the robustness of the data we gather in these surveys. We've seen a lot of polling over recent years, political polling, and we're not going to get political, but the polls themselves don't always reflect uh, what ends up happening because people are now getting so smart with the feedback they're given, uh, they're giving, they're trying to either prove they are one way or another. I guess it has to be different in the corporate world, right? We know that we can't really trust the results of these political surveys or polls, but can we trust the data that we gather in, in um, business and customer polling and, and surveys? Absolutely. Uh, and there are a couple of things technologically that we do to make sure that the quality of the insights flowing in uh, to our customers is, is up there. Uh, so we can now uh, you know, look at the results coming in and make sure that we filter out those who are speeding through a survey. So if you see a row of 12 Cs, for example, oh. uh, it's a survey has been taken in a certain amount of time. Uh, there are certain signals that we can pick up on uh, and make sure that those, those results are flagged so that the customer can figure out whether they want to include them or not. So there are some things that's that we do on the back end to really aid response quality, because that's, that's one aspect of it, I think, yeah. Um, in addition, uh, I would say that what you need to be doing is, is gathering a, a wide variety of feedback. So one of the things I've seen companies struggle with sometimes in getting feedback from customers is going to the same set of customers time after time, right. uh, going, you know, preaching to the choir almost, or the, the yeah. equivalent of that, learning from the, the same choir that is very aligned with them. And one of the things that we can help you do is reach beyond your audience of existing customers or happy customers 
uh, and reach out into the, you know, the broader ether, as it were, and make sure you're getting a well-rounded set of responses. That is fascinating. A little behind the scenes. I love that. Um, and also, of course, the timing piece is fascinating. If they're rushing through, clearly, they're not t- taking the time to think. But conversely, you might have one user who, who takes a great deal of time on one particular question, and either A, that's because they were thinking about it forever, or B, they needed to take the dog out. We don't know that, <laughs> but it, it, it could have been one of those. But I love the fact that there's so much psychology that goes into just the way we take these surveys. It's fascinating. Yeah, what, I think one of the things that's lost in translation is uh, survey sounds like a really humble uh, tool. But as you start to broaden the application of underlying sur- survey technology to gathering feedback from your most important constituents, whether they're employees, whether they're customers, whether they're shareholders, there are so many different audiences that we see our customers really reaching out to, to listen, understand, and take action on that feedback. Uh, that leads to business critical change, uh, essentially. So I people are, I think people, people look down on surveys, but uh, the power of that underlying technology uh, when combined with that AI machine learning can be really significant. Absolutely. All right, let me ask you one follow on. What's more valuable to a business to focus on those customers who have achieved a level of happiness and satisfaction, delight, if you will, or to focus on those who absolutely hate you? <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, there, are so, there are so many other pieces of information you need to know in order to, to answer that question. Um, but, you know, what I will say is, I think you need to pay attention at both ends of the spectrum. And here's why. Uh, there's the, the, the least expensive way to uh, grow your business is to retain and expand your existing customers, right? It's, it's, far, it's a far better uh, approach in the long run than just constantly acquiring new customers that churn. So I think that's, that's at the foundation of a really strong business. The other thing is if you continue listening to building relationships and staying in dialogue with those customers at the other end of the spectrum, the ones who are very happy, that's your next generation of evangelists. That's your Tamar Beresfords who appear on your site and who are happy to champion to the world that they're leveraging your technology and partnering with you to drive digital transformation. So I think there's there's merit on both sides and which one you index toward sort of depends on what's going on in the business and the, the economics, uh, which is probably another depth of, uh, depth of uh, discussion. Yeah, that'll be the next podcast. Um, we've talked about, you know, external comms. We've talked about the value of getting customer insight. What about internal? Do the same rules apply when you are surveying the opinions, the ideas, the input of your own team versus external customers? Oh, 100%. I mean, we look back on the last 18 months, Mark, and this was, this was the year of HR. This was the year and a half, rather, of HR, year and a half of internal comms being perhaps the most important function or set of functions in the building. And uh, one of the phenomena that we've seen at Momentum is just this uh, re, you know, this fresh appreciation for the power and the need to understand employee experience, especially as we enter this uh, great period of called the Great Resignation, where talent is leaving the workforce in droves, and it's never been more important to really lean in, understand, act on the feedback that you're getting from. Uh, from your employees. So as we looked to launch Momentum and think about where are the solutions categories where we can be most impactful for our customers and where we see customers deriving the most value, employee experience was one of the top ones. Um, So it's definitely an area where you need to be listening. You need to be listening on an ongoing basis because people's opinions are constantly changing in uh, in this new world. And uh, again, 
above all, making sure you act on what you hear, because that will uh, get uh, lead to disillusioned employees if they're giving you feedback over time consistently and you're not doing anything with it. It's a great answer. And you're right. We do, we do hear that a lot. It's so important to understand your team and to work with them constantly. It's, it's a journey with no end. Talking of an end, though, our time is almost up, but I can't let you go before I ask you one final question about what I've heard. It could be a rumor uh, that you actually want to write a work musical at some point. Is this true? <laughs> and what's going on? Oh, wow. I don't know where you dug that one up for. Well, so here's the thing, Mark. I love music. Uh, and I've over the years, I've developed a, a bit of a, an affinity for writing parody lyrics. So taking a well-known song and rewriting <laughs> the lyrics to be something dorky and work-like. It's something right. I, I think I started doing at business school and uh, have have continued into present day, uh, basically. So I had, a, I had an idea that I wanted to, uh, when I was at LinkedIn years ago, I had a a musical song that I rewrote. I was, had some customers in the loop. We were going to try and perform it and it fell through. Um, but uh, I will say that I have continued to try and bring uh, music into uh, launches. So when we rolled out our new mission, vision, values last year, we did so to a rousing rewrite of Obla Di, Obla Da by the Beatles with uh, our president, <laughs> Tom Hale, on guitar. And um, I did just treat myself to a new piano. So I guess we'll see where that leads me. Uh, that is amazing. I would listen to that. I was kind of hoping you were going to rework the Britney classic and make it survey me, baby, one more time. But I think your idea is probably a whole lot better. Um, I have to say, Leela, thank you so much for joining us, for telling us about Momentive and uh, the, the, um, obviously the, 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 the whole story of the organization and how it's changing. We really appreciate your time, your input, and of course, your ideas as well. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. The Art of the Pivot is brought to you by Signavio.